Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 89. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, famed influencer and cosplay icon, Clint Jones. Clint Jones, how is it dressing up as other people in this world? I mean, when you're not really quite sure of who you are, it's mm-hmm. a great way to hide that fact. I love and it. I feel pretty comfortable in other people's skins. I love it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing is Clint walked in the door today, and Clint is always uh, fairly styling and uh, and looking like he's got himself put together. I, on the other hand, am almost certainly always to be found wearing a black hoodie and jeans. <laughs> and Clint walked in the house today in a black hoodie and jeans. Mm-hmm. And I noticed it, but I didn't want to say anything because uh, I didn't want to get made fun of. But Clint knew. Clint knew. And as we walked uh, to the studio, Clint said, I'm uh, cosplaying as you today, Ken. Well, when I was, (laughs) I just bought this hoodie. So I, as I was putting on, I was like, I was feeling your power coursing through my body and I knew I had to have it. Good. That's what makes you such a cosplay icon is that you channel uh, these, these real and fictional personalities. Right. It's not surface level. It's I become that person. Yeah. You are the Daniel Day Lewis of cosplay. (laughs) And TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, this week we are uh, foregoing what you watch about, even though we have been watching some things. Uh, And we're going to do a little bit of some uh, long-awaited mailbag uh, because that's been kind of piling up. So, Clint, you ready for some mailbag fun? Well, well, let's let's hold the horses for a second. Oh, let's slow it down. Slow it down. You're just – man, you're really enthusiastic about getting to this. Slow it down. So I'm going to give a personal story here, a little testimonial. Okay. Um, So my wife and I had – our 16th anniversary. That's right. Congratulations, This Clint. past Friday and our, our wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. And uh, so not what, what what other anniversary were I mean, you worried about? Like celebrating, were... like getting a new set of plates or bowls. Oh, okay. I mean, like yeah, most I mean, people that is, do. It's an important part. Yeah. You got to yeah. like, it's momentous. It really is. Um, so I, uh, we, we were planning to do something, you know, go out to dinner, whatever. Just really knock the 16th out of the park. Yeah, I mean, I it's an you. important one. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, the day before, we I get home from work and, um, you know, biding my time, working on some music. And then she gets home and she's like, um, I'm going to make dinner. Mm-hmm. And I'm in my own world. She's getting ready. And then frantically... She comes back into my music art room, okay. and I, I'm kind of trying to shoo her away because I'm in the middle of something that, it, like, um, and uh, in a respectful way, sure, sure. But I see Punching a look face. on her face that means business, <laughs> <laughs> and she is not messing around. Okay, so I, I interrupt what I'm doing, and I, and she has. Um, what looks like blood on her arm. Oh. And she's, she, I, I'm not sure if it's hers, one of our animals, maybe that our cats got into a fight or something. And then she tells me that she was trying to get our cat, our new, our newest cat out of the bathroom because we don't like just letting them in there. They get into everything. And she had been like removing the cat and the cat just flipped out all of a sudden <laughs> for no reason, like something <laughs> spooked her and she had to get down. And so Jenny drops her and then she looks at her hand and the cat had like torn open her hand, like in her finger crotch. Oh, like like significantly? Like she could see the inside of her hand and she's like, we need to go to the hospital right now. We got to go to the ER. And I'm, I'm trying to like... Believe her, not that she isn't just freaking out for like something that maybe doesn't need the ER. 
But then I see what happened, oh. and she is split open like someone had taken a machete to her. Oh, and uh, so, yeah, we frantically uh, get to the ER, and um, and luckily it was okay. She she did need stitches, but it didn't because it was such a weird spot that they were afraid it would get infected if they had stitched her up. Okay. So it's just bandaged really well, and we're going to see how that's going. But it was okay. a very freak accident. <laughs> <laughs> and um, now we don't uh, look at our cat a little bit, um, a little questionably. Like Seriously? we're like that Jeez. cat can really mess you up. So <laughs> I don't think it do that much damage. I didn't either, but it must have just caught her the perfect angle, yeah. and like as she was falling, just got her. And um, but yeah, that kind of put a little damper on our uh, anniversary mm-hmm. celebration and like what we had planned for the weekend. But it was still enjoyable. Cats are a menace. <laughs> yeah. I Did you see these videos? <laughs> yes. You see these videos of cats just like on things looking at, you know, a vase and they just yeah. all of a sudden are like, I'm pushing this vase off. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're assholes. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I hear you. I hear you. I like the videos where they just suddenly flip out at nothing. That's my favorite. Yeah. I guess that's what this cat was. Oh, like, sure. I, I think do. they just see the spirit world and they are <laughs> just, <laughs> there's all kinds of nightmarish, hellish things around us. And I know. Maybe I should be questioning what's happening around my house. Maybe. Like there's some kind of poltergeist situation. Maybe it was a blood sacrifice so they could keep away. Maybe. Maybe it yeah. was what's necessary for another 16 years of marriage. Just saying. Yeah. Don't, don't hate your cat. Your cat protected you from uh, flights of demons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into some mailbag. Mailbag, mailbag. We're not talking testicles, we're talking male receptacles for your messages. The first one comes from Ted from North Dakota, which is an absolute delight for me because I didn't know North Dakota had people. Uh, it serious, <laughs> no, it seriously has such a tiny population. You didn't think it um, had any at all? No, I knew it had some, but it is it is a scant few people. So the fact that we have a listener in North Dakota, uh, I don't. It just it, it tickled me. It's He's just, our one listener there. Maybe, maybe, maybe the entire state listens to us. Maybe, maybe that's the the source of so much traffic is just North Dakota in full. We should look up those statistics and see where we are. I there. did. North Dakota doesn't even appear on the list of top 20 states that listen to us, <laughs> which didn't surprise me much. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure North Dakota's down there and probably Mississippi is, is pretty low. Mm. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out where men for men or men, whatever he was. I don't know. Anyway, yes. Ted from North Dakota says, with Mario Brothers being an actual good time of movie, it seems like Hollywood might just be getting a clue as to how to finally translate gameplay to the big screen. I suspect both of you are gamers as you have talked about gaming in the past. Is it possible to make a great video game film that not only is a good film, but captures the video game it's based on? And again, that's Ted from North Dakota. Did you see Mario Brothers? No. It's on Peacock right now. Yeah, I saw it was I think. on there. Uh, and it's it's uh, it's fun. Yeah. It, it really is. I don't know if it's a great movie, but as far as a Mario Brothers movie, I don't know how you do something more Mario Brothers than that. Mm-hmm. Are there are there any good video game films that you liked? 
that, that pop to mind? Well, I mean, Last of Us. Yeah. That, that I mean, that's series. not a movie, but it's a series. Yeah. And, and I feel like that was the first one that really like nailed it for me. Um, See, Last of Us was a great series. I loved it. But if you play the games, there's so much more gunplay. Yeah. That when you compare the video game directly to the series, I feel like the series was a fantastic adaptation of the characters and story. But I... I don't, and I, I think that was good. I think it would have ruined that show if they were running around shooting eighty people every other episode. Um, but that was one where it captured, you know, one element, but it, it didn't capture the gameplay necessarily. I, I feel like it really. Besides all the gunplay, I feel like they picked their moments for that. But mm-hmm. there were little things where, like, trying to get into buildings, where like he would put her through vents and things. That's true. That were really. Than like Gamey. hitting the nail on the head That's and true. like felt natural to the characters in the situation and uh, that but it was just like a nice little nod to it and yeah. and that that whole st- like the um game is so like relying so heavily on those characters that yeah. I think that's probably the most important thing about that and they took the right lessons from from it that that if you have these great characters like built into the game that's a that's a great like franchise to then go after to make a yeah. movie or a series after I, i've heard good things about the twisted metal show really on um, it's supposed it to be really kind of fun dumb fun big do you dumb remember fun? how much we used to play twisted metal oh yeah back I, in the I heyday game. <laughs> uh, like especially <laughs> twisted metal black uh, was the one I I can't remember if it was PS2 or whatever. Mm-hmm. We all used to sit around and and flip the controller around and play Twisted Metal. Yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah. It's supposedly the the series like has a lot of the silliness hmm. that okay. people love about it. Um, I haven't checked it out Is yet. Is there a giant man that's surgically attached to two giant wheels? <laughs> because <laughs> there was, might be. That was the height of ridiculousness <laughs> in that game. Uh, but no, I I I guess that one would be much more. You have to hit the tone. Yeah, I think I think the tone is more important. I think that's what Last of Us understood is that the tone is more important than capturing every last element of a game. I think that's what uh, it's the opposite problem for like the Tomb Raider films that mm-hmm. have come out. I think there they haven't really given a lot to the character that wasn't already in the game. Uh huh. And so you don't get much more of an experience beyond the game. You're left with just uh, kind of a generic action film. Mm. Um. You know, Last of Us, I think, was a was a little easier. And, and Mario, too, because it had so much to pull from. Yeah. Um, that it that it was able to uh, really capture a lot. Mario Brothers actually has full side-scrolling gameplay elements in it. It's kind of mm. clever how they do it. But as he's adjusting, he's from Earth or the real world. And when he goes into this Mario Brothers world... Uh, when he's learning how to do certain things, they they basically just put gameplay directly in. It was it was cute. It was fun. Um, in this one, there was in the yes in the oh, in the new Mario Brothers like, the animated. There's one. action, live action in it. Oh no 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 oh, no! Okay. I don't mean that. I just mean that uh, it has gameplay elements where it oh, directly okay. takes you know something you would see on the screen mm-hmm. and has Mario running across platforms and jumping here and jumping there and avoiding fireballs and exactly what you do in the game it had that kind of stuff but but even those elements were just fun it's not like they were putting any sort of dramatic weight into anything i think they were just trying to make a fun movie for kids and you know mission accomplished um but it's not like they they took mario brothers and did something more than just make it fun 
I feel like, I mean, it's probably, it is a good time, but like, I feel like with that there, it's a little bit lower of a bar because it is like, it's an animated film. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it like doesn't have to do like the heavy lifting yeah. of trying to make these, um, you know, real world, um, live action elements try to fit into the framework of that. Um, so I don't know. I feel like something like last of us or I don't know, is doing a little bit more. I think, um, the Assassin's Creed movie was terrible, but I think that's a franchise that you could really do something with. Um, um, what's his name? Zack Snyder, uh, just mentioned the other day that he would, he would be up for doing a Halo movie or a Gears of War movie. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be interesting. I could actually see his style. Have you watched the Um, Halo show? Yes, it's terrible. I watched the first like 20 minutes of it and I turned it it's off. It's <laughs> so bad. It's so unlike the game. Yeah. The, the last episode, because man, I was a trooper. I went clear through the end. Really? And the last episode actually feels like the game, but in the wrong way. Mm. It, they go too literal all of a sudden and it feels like a, a CG cutscene from the game. And it just, it didn't have enough uh, oomph and in, in character development before that to, to mm-hmm. sell those moments, but it was just because oof. that one for like a, a, a you know a shoot 'em up game um, has pretty good characters yeah. in it, so you would think yeah. there would be more to do with it. Yeah, well, and it's man alone on a you know stranded somewhere, yeah. and, and encountering these crazy things, and they went the exact opposite direction. The game is like one percent. I'm on a ship with other humans. Mm-hmm. And 99% now I'm on a planet with aliens where the show was 99%. Here I am with a bunch of humans and right. once in a while. Oh, look, an alien. Shoot it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've, I wonder, I mean, I wonder how hard Gears of War would be to not step on the toes of like aliens. I don't know. Yeah, because it, <laughs> it's it, just space marine. I mean, it's that, it really <laughs> takes its cues yeah. from so many of those movies. I just think Zack Snyder's uh style would be good for that i i think he's i think there are things that he would be good at i i think he struggles when it's substance over style but he just there's a way to do style over substance in an entertaining way uh and just be a a really primarily visual filmmaker um i just don't know that he always strikes that balance yeah especially i mean a lot of video games have some angle of fun involved yeah. and I, I don't think he's very good at fun. No, he's very dour yeah. with things. I'm curious how even, Rebel Moon goes. Even in the, what was the um, zombie one? Uh, yeah. No, like I know that one yeah. tried to have fun moments, yeah. but then like would be undercut instantly yeah. by like the most dramatic scenes yeah. that were so unnecessary. Yeah. Well, following up on that, Alan from New York writes, hi all, enjoying the pod. Uh, love the laughs. Great picks of movies. Uh, I'm just here in New York waiting for our new AI overlords to bring peace, harmony, and worldwide servitude to humanity. Will AI be a boon or curse to filmmaking is his question. This one's interesting to me because AI has – I always thought AI would be something that when it arrived, it would be used in technology to make life easier. Mm -hmm. But the early onset of AI has been let's write books with AI and let's do artwork with AI. Mm -hmm. All the things that we have plenty of humans 
that can do these things. And are the things that are like quintessential to kind of being yes. human. <laughs> yes. And so it's it's bizarre to me. Like those tools are, are cute and fun to play with. I get it. But it's just like that's where you're seeing this eruption of, of kind of uh, people really tapping into and enjoying AI is the things that used to be reserved for people who had groomed a talent and had grown in a right. certain way. I've seen a few people use the like – it for digital art in a very interesting, creative way where mm -hmm. like to the point where like, I don't know if somebody directly could do it without it. Gotcha. Um, other than like, man, if they had the, the pure imagination to do it, because like, it's almost the things I've seen where it almost feels like you're peering into another dimension mm -hmm. in that like, it's pulling from things that we are very familiar with, but it's it and it feels almost completely plausibly real. Like mm -hmm. like like it's something that um existed, but we we just kind of forgot about it. Yeah. And uh those are the moments where I'm really interested in it. Um and it, but it's also like I don't know if I would want to see it on a gallery wall. It's yeah. almost just kind of this interesting curiosity to yeah. me. Um, as far as movie, it's like, I don't know. I don't, it's, I, I am totally on the side of everyone picketing and stuff where they're going to digital, digitalize their likenesses mm -hmm. and make background actors out of them. And then you don't have a job anymore. Yeah. Like that is like kind of, it's just disgusting to yeah. me. Um, I know it's not AI directly, but like there's. As far as like technology, technology is going and stuff like there's um, that show um, Foundation, mm -hmm. um, and this isn't AI related really, but like something that was really a cool thing that I saw, and I think I talked about this on here um, that they did for they didn't do like a lot of CG, they did mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of practical stuff, but instead of like you know making miniatures directly and stuff, they would. 3D print them. Mm -hmm. And so it's created digitally, but yeah. then the, like then you're filming it practically. And so I thought that was a really great use of um yeah. of that combination of of you know technology and stuff. And so if there was some way to do that kind of thing with the digital like AI mm -hmm. world, like that could be interesting, but I don't know. Yeah, I can see it being used as like it wouldn't bother me at all to know it's a tool in the toolbox, yeah. you know, uh, something that helps visual effects achieve certain things that are more realistic or something that helps in the, uh, if I found out a character designer was using it for costuming and stuff like that before, you know, the costume designer went and actually started doing something. I, I think that's one more tool that just helps in the art process of developing a look and things like that. Those sort of things don't bother me. I'm like you. Once it starts to impede on actual artists yeah. who are capable of doing something, that's when it bothers me. If it saves that artist or that visual effects artist time uh, and it's not costing somebody a job and it's just, hey, this this allows me to generate all these ideas and then I can take it from there and and design my own thing that then goes to the director and gets approval. And that stuff bothers me far less than the idea of, uh, you know, if we got to a point that AI generate a scene in which Vin Diesel in his car, uh, you know, launches off a ramp and lands. I, it just, if we get to the point that computers do that, I think it, 
it loses that human element. There's something about watching movies that you know people have created something special. Yeah, yeah. And if they're using technology as tools, that doesn't take away from that specialness. It, it might adjust it. Watching a, a computer-generated animated film, I have a different respect for the artists doing that because I understand they have a different skill set than watching hand-drawn animation. Mm -hmm. But I can have equal respect for those things. But again, it, it's all tracing back to human hands. These are a group of filmmakers making something. I, I, yeah. And I, yeah, I totally agree if it's something where it's not a one-for-one -one replacement and it's kind of just assisting in some way. Um, did you see the quarter crew where they did the anime that yes. was based yeah. like that was such an like and I liked kind of how they were dancing around what like people think about it and what yeah. like kind of how the there is a little bit like they even kind of felt a little trepidation around it yeah. and uh and understood if people had con like if they were brought up a controversy around it it was kind of an interesting exploration um so like that kind of thing like if that happened on a larger scale, I think I would have a lot, like feel a lot of pushback on, like I would feel kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't enjoy that. If, if there was small independent filmmaker that wanted to make an animated film and just did not have the access to what it would take to do that. Yeah. And they were using that to realize their vision. Uh, even as just an early film or proof of concept film, I would, I would be much more forgiving of that than, you know, a, a Sony pictures, who has all these resources just sticking three guys in a room with a computer and saying, like, make us an animated movie. That would bother me yeah. if, if that makes sense. I, I think if it's a struggling artist trying to use every tool at their disposal to, you know, realize their vision in ways they wouldn't be able to otherwise, I, I can excuse those shortcuts and things like that. But again, though, it goes back to is somebody using it to – uh, give them the ability to do the work of an entire team of individuals that they just don't have? Or is somebody taking an entire team of in individuals and saying, ooh, here's a cost-cutting measure, mm -hmm. and cutting out those those artists and performers and things like that just to, you know, put something on screen? I wonder if – I mean, at some point I feel like the talent – that a person has in the people like is going to come to a junction point with yeah. this where it's just, I mean, they might be able to make the most visually stunning thing because they have this tool, but there's not going to be any substance to it. Yeah. And then that, I feel like at some point, even the stuff, like there's going to be a substance over like kind of quality, yeah. like just pure you know, digital, digitally created quality kind of yeah. thing that I feel like at some point it's going to still, you know, it's going to float to the top, the good and, stuff. And I like how there's already a separation of that. That happened yeah. pretty quickly. And it's still in that, ooh, isn't this a neat new toy phase? Yeah. And, and um, you know, so I I don't think it's as scary as, as it might seem that, you know, it's just going to displace all these artists and things like that. It is scary when you see I, a Hollywood system actively trying to find ways to use it or other technology to uh, to displace some of that. That that gets a little oof, creepy. Well, I mean, I think even on a lower level of just people who are graphic designers and stuff, there's a lot of 
that kind of the tool set coming to you know Photoshop and everything mm-hmm. that is going to make it a lot easier for these for businesses and corporations to sideline graphic artists and illustrators and things and I think that's scary because that's the work I work in yeah. and I I at some point I feel like that's going to put a lot of people out of work. It's just interesting. It's a, it's a fine balance in my mind because when Peter Jackson was making when Weta did the I forget what the system was called for Lord of the Rings where they could generate these in, these huge armies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody freaked out that oh no, we're not going to have thousands of extras anymore for grand epic films. But it's the same thing. You know, it's it's still something where technology came in and now uh, you know, the the days of old where Ben-Hur would run into an area and just like, we need a thousand people. But don't you think like even back then they knew this is not practical, like they just had to do it? Like I, I guess. I, I mean, I know from a budget standpoint. And you think probably all those people were paid? I, I don't think they were all paid. No, I, I get that because <laughs> definitely when they're rolling into other countries and just like, yeah. hey, here's some bread. Go stand over in that weird crowd and scream yeah. when we tell you to scream. I think that happened all the oh, time. Oh, for sure. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not like trumpeting the the uh, the old system. I'm sure they I mean, did the exact same cost cutting measures. I mean, the amount of people that probably those Lord of the Rings movies, like how many jobs it created yeah. in other ways, and there probably were still a ton of people in the crowds for those. Yeah, yeah. Like, there certainly was. It was yeah. just to enhance. It's just it's it's interesting. It's I mean, studios are always going to studio. They're always going to try to find the bottom line. Yeah. Even right now, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because uh, one of the questions we have is is about the strikes. But um, even even with the strikes, even if they got everything that they wanted, give it another 10, 15 years, the studios are going to find ways mm-hmm. to try to make money on the backs of people. That's just how businesses function in, in capitalism. Sorry. Um, you know, so it's, it's, I think that's why some of these things are so important because you have to have kind of watchdogs making sure that groups of, of workers are not being taken advantage of because mm-hmm. they will be taken advantage of. Oh, for sure. Uh, anybody who believes the myth of like, well, just, you know, companies will be good. If they make <laughs> money, they'll be good to the people that work for them. Well, when they Nonsense. don't need the people anymore, then yep. why were they going to be good to Nonsense. them? <laughs> I. It baffles me that anyone who's ever worked an hour at any job in their mm-hmm. life believes that. Yeah. Uh, if McDonald's has a way to cut a buck, they're going to cut a buck. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you know if it costs them however many employees, cool. Uh, they're not in the the uh, the business of of making jobs. They're in the business of making money. Mm-hmm. And that's you know studios are in the business of making money, not in the business of making art. Yeah, look or at making jobs. Look at ninety percent of the things that come out. Yep. It's not art. No, <laughs> it's commerce. Yes, yes. Uh, you know what? Let's just go ahead and skip to that question because this ties right in. Uh, this is Michael from Nashville. Explain these strikes to me, please. I get that it's important for the writers and actors to receive fair compensation for their movies and shows. I totally support that. I'm all about it. I don't need my movies and shows right now if it helps them. I just don't get how any of it used to work or how they want it to work. Uh, this is actually a really good question. Um, I think... I think the strikes have been handled much better this time around than back when uh, the year escapes me. But there was a writer's strike 
Mm -hmm. uh, a decade or 15 years ago or maybe even 20 years ago, whenever it was. There was a writer's strike, and I think people really struggled to understand what was happening. I think both the the Writers Guild and uh, and the actors have done a much much better job this time around using social media and some things like that to convey – what the actual demands and struggles are, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still something that that requires a bit of education because the the system is so complicated. the The way I understand it, and I've done much more reading since the last time we talked about this, uh, but but the way I understand it, the the large group of studios basically have an agreement with each other. The trouble comes because there is now this split between these two large groups of studios. There are kind of your legacy studios, your your Paramount, your Sony, your Warner, mm-hmm. uh, people that that are working off of the traditional filmmaking model. Now in that group, you also have your Amazon and your Netflix and your streaming mm-hmm. services uh-huh. that are creating original content. They have two different financial frameworks. They have two different financial goals, and they make their money in different ways. And so one of the reasons that this hasn't just ground to a halt like it has before and the studios just, you know, do what they need to do is because while Warner and Sony and them are losing a tremendous amount of money and realize we just need to play well Mm -hmm. and play nice with the actors and writers, the streaming studios don't care as much uh-huh. and and they can they can live off of content uh much easier than a Warner Brothers who mm. needs newer and newer things coming out. Uh, I saw an estimate that it's costing the studios in total about 150 million dollars a week mm. that the strike goes on. Uh-huh. And if the actors and writers were given everything they wanted, it would only cost an estimated 450 to 600 million a year. Mm. That means in 3 to 4 weeks studios are losing what they would be putting out a year. Uh-huh. Um, and so again, studios want to make money. That's ultimately what's going to to change things. But that legacy studio versus streaming studio problem is is making it very hard for everybody to come to the table. Uh, because I, d- I don't even, my grasp of it is the studios don't even agree on what the studios want to do. Mm. But the studios have to agree with the basic, with with the current structure to be able to work with the writers and actors. Hmm. So it's it's a mess. Yeah. It's it's very complicated. Um, have you seen, there are some really cool stories like Drew Carey, who I did not know was, was apparently such a cool guy. Uh, Drew Carey is just, uh, there's a Bob's Big Boy. And he is, uh, if you come in and you show your, your SAG or your WGA card, you mm-hmm. just get free food for the entirety of the strike uh, on drew carey's tab mm-hmm. uh, i just thought something like that was really cool um, yeah i've seen a few like you know the rock and a couple yeah. other um actors they donated a large yeah. large sums of money towards yeah. these people who are striking which i think is cool because the the majority of people the vast majority of people striking are not rock and yeah. drew carey and your people who make millions of dollars they are just people working like you and i from day to day making a living that you know, pays the rent, gets the groceries, and allows them to do what they love. Right. Uh, but they are not getting residuals off of past projects where they can just sit back and afford to not work. So strikes are a big deal to them. Yeah, or they are, and they're like two dollars or something. Yeah. They're like insignificant at all. And um, yeah, I mean, like I don't understand how the you know the streaming services 
thought it was going to be completely sustainable yeah. with the how it's been for the past whatever 10 yeah. years how many that like they're going to get all this content and like a plus content from all these amazing writers and directors and actors and not think at some point like especially with how unclear that like netflix and stuff yeah. is about like metrics and stuff that and how they gauge if something is popular and or doing well and like that they they weren't going to get some pushback from them that they wanted some clarity and some compensation for what they're doing yeah and especially in the amount of, like I'm sure they're they're turning this stuff out yeah. like and it, so much of it is like prime pr premiere content like some of these shows yeah. and I I I just never seems sustainable to yeah. me. <laughs> well, and when the pandemic hit, I think the streaming services overplayed their hand because it did go suddenly, oh, maybe we don't have to have movies in theaters as long. Maybe we can get them to digital right. quicker. Even the legacy studios started to buy into that idea. Oh, yeah. Now Disney Plus is struggling. Max is struggling because they rushed to this streaming model. Mm -hmm. I, I think they underestimated people's enjoyment of that theater experience. Right. And I think something, it's it's interesting how the timing worked because right at the beginning of the actors going into strike, the writers were already on strike, but right at the beginning of that comes Barbie and Oppenheimer, mm -hmm. which for, for whatever reasons and whatever you think of those movies, those movies proved beyond a shadow of a doubt, people want to see things in the theater. They came out in droves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very interesting. The theater experience is not as, as dead as people thought. It's just people want new, interesting, and exciting things. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to bring them to the theater. Just another MCU entry or another Fast and Furious or just another... Uh, Mission Impossible is not good enough to get people in seats. These things actually have to have quality. Yeah. Mission Impossible, I threw in there because it's underperforming, but it's actually a legitimately good film. Yeah, yeah. Indiana but, Jones apparently did terrible too. Man, it's like you're reading the questions <laughs> ahead. The next one is about Indiana Jones. Seriously, Clint, I do not give Clint... Uh, a heads up on what we're talking about. But Clint always seems to sniff out the order I have put questions in and what's coming next. I'm just so good. You're so just good. like a feedback psychic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's the Mission Impossible series came out and it's a very good film. But I think people are also trained that sequels are a risk. Mm -hmm. And so they don't get as excited about them. And it becomes a I'll just wait till it hits digital. And I'm also less likely to go see something in the theater if I know it's going to be on digital in four weeks. Uh, I, say, I, I feel like that's kind of interesting for that one, though, because it has such a good track record with all mm -hmm. of their sequels. And and it's like one of those films that it pays to see it on a big screen because yeah. it's so, you know, action oriented and it's... Um, I, I, I'm surprised it didn't do as be, uh, better than it did. Well, and if you look at the numbers, you would never know that. I mean, but think, just comparing to but when you put like, in the budget yeah. and the marketing and all of that, it's not making as much as as Paramount thought it would make. Yeah. Um, which is another that that's. I wish I understood better how the studios evaluate the value of a, of a film because it used to be, uh, you know, before VHS. I mean, it was strictly. How much does this make at, at the movies? Uh -huh. uh, and that determined a movie's budget. Then it started to shift into, okay, well, it makes something at the box office, but then we also make more money when it hits home video. 
And the more expansive home video got, and you get to Blue well DVD and then Blu-ray and now streaming, there are more opportunities for somebody to see a movie. And there's more opportunities for a studio to make money off a movie. I think that's the big thing the actors and writers are striking about is that, great, that's good for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. No, the studios are making a lot of money off of that. But the people who made the movie and are providing the entertainment are not making a piece of that pie. Well, right, because there's for streaming, there's very little residuals, yeah. or so. Yeah, and there's there's all kinds of dirty tricks. Like Disney, I was reading a whole article about. They do a thing where they will change the title of a series after its third season because the way contracts are written, uh, you only get residuals. If a show enters its fourth season, but oh. they will enter the show into the fourth season, mm. but they will just change the name of the show. So then you're starting all adventures over. to it or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's still a fourth season. But as far as contractual obligations are concerned, wow. that's a new show. It's like, seriously, you just <laughs> changed the title. And that's with a lot of their young actors and uh-huh. their kids shows and stuff like that. And I was I was astonished by that. Wow. Like, are you serious right now? Um, but it it. Again, studios are going to studio. They're going to they're going to make yeah. money where they can make money, and it's it's not like we have a system where you can uh, be compensated on the intent of mm-hmm. a contract. It's letter of the law. It's what the contract says. Mm-hmm. And so, as technology and streaming have have entered and have changed things, that's the big fight with AI. Nobody ever envisioned, hey, we're just going to scan you. And then we're going to generate you into a movie right. in the background. We mm-hmm. no longer need extras. That's got to be horrifying in the acting community because that's, you know, people start as production assistants and extras. That's that's how you try to to get on set and get somewhere. Right. Uh, so, oof. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the stepping stone to, uh, you know, different jobs in the industry. Yeah. And yeah. I, I saw someone else talking about that and never thought about it that way. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's all messy. And yeah. I <laughs> I wish there were, you know, be, like some kind of conclusions being made about it, but it's yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. And it it just it's something, you know, I'm just I'm all about if you make something and you work and you do something. You should see a share of the profits. I understand there has to be studios and distributors, and I I get why they make money. But if your entire model is driven off of making as much of the profit for your company as possible, that's, like you said, it's not sustainable. Because eventually, if that's your goal, you are going to turn away really good talent because they're going to go work for somebody that's going to treat them better. Right. Why would I, you know, sign on for a multi-picture deal with a studio that's, uh, infamous for for messing with with people's jobs mm-hmm. and and their ability to make money. Yeah, uh, and so I I feel like the streaming services have really overplayed their hand, and I I think this is them kind of realizing it and getting bit for it. I, I don't think they realize the animal would bite back or slice open the the crotch of their hand, <laughs> the finger crotch. <laughs> um, I mean, you can kind of see it with like, man, how. HBO has kind of gone downhill, yeah. like when it went to that that system and like how much just um, 
um, reality television is yep. seeping into that, like HBO Max or well, what is it, Max now? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, man, like they had such a good thing for so long. And then like... Well, it got sold to Discovery. Yeah. And so when that took over, that's a very different content platform. Right. Than H because HBO was... I know, was but like... Premier. It, it, it was... And it's just amazing to me that they didn't see the... Um, you know, the value yeah. in it, how it was. Yeah. And it's just, man, you see those possible dollar signs in your eyes and it's just, man, it's, it's it just yep. makes me kind of sick to think and, about. And I think going backwards in time, I think Game of Thrones was right at a place where we were watching it happen in real time. Mm-hmm. People complain about, you know, the latter seasons and especially the last season of Game of Thrones. If you look at the timing of that when it was happening, that is all in that slide of HBO where they're restructuring and and figuring out what the new future of content is. And right. it, I I really think in a show like that you can feel that shift. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's it's very interesting to watch. I you know I I want the best things for the people that make my products, not the people that just get those products to me. Uh, and I I love a good theatrical experience, but if the only place I can get my stuff is at home, okay fine uh you know i'll get over it but it's just i i would much rather have a system that is giving me new and interesting entertainment than just something that is designed by metrics to try to get me to the next theatrical viewing to make more money Mm -hmm. Uh, that's that's very frustrating to me yeah it's hard for me to even think of it as like i don't as a product or entertain like because i'm always trying to like i want like it to be an art form yeah well and that's kingdom of the crystal skull and to your points uh on a previous episode dial of destiny are movies that don't feel like they were designed because they had an incredible idea about how to bring indiana jones back (laughs) it feels like something designed by the studio to capitalize on nostalgia and it feels like something that started as a, hey, could we make some money off Indiana Jones still? Because when we pop out a new DVD or Blu-ray set, man, those things sell. Right. And it feels like that was the genesis of those movies rather than, man, I have the most amazing idea for an Indiana Jones adventure. Yeah, because like even if you are um, – yeah, you're releasing a new box set that has all the films in there. And maybe that late latest one wasn't um, – as great in the eyes of a lot of people. Clint. Clint, me. <laughs> uh, but there is probably a good major, a good sect of people who will rebuy yeah. that whole box set to have all of them because they're completists. Yeah. Yep. And they know that. Like they know that. Ken. Ken. <laughs> Fool. Ken. I know. I am the chump of capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exactly what they target. Yeah, yeah. Put it in a fancy metal box and Ken will get it. And have some pop figures with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm just a... Mm, I'm sure. Just a little metal, a <laughs> little plastic Indian melting. Yep. Because yep. it's... Oh, man. And that's worth my 10 bucks. Well, that brings <laughs> me to our next question. And I absolutely adore this question. I, I pray this is this person's real name, but I know it is not. Uh, this comes from Walty... Walty? 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 Wow. Walty. W-A-L-T-E-Y. Walty White from the beyond. Uh, which gave <laughs> little Walty White. Little, little Walty White. Uh, he says, uh, dial of destiny, period. 
That's, that's what the first line is, Dial of Destiny. Sorry, Ken, it was a mess. It just sat lifeless there on the screen and made me doubt everything you ever said. <laughs> Ugh. Thanks, Walt. Try getting a text message from the guy, <laughs> like like praising this thing. Man, it makes you me really question. Do you know how many emails I got about how bad Dial of Destiny was? <laughs> 14, Clint. Do you know how many emails or messages I got in support of my enjoyment of Dial of Destiny? Zero, Clint. <laughs> I was going to say one. Like, Zero. Just give some kind of benefit of a doubt. Zero. And these people didn't even have great points. They were just like... You're an idiot. Dial of Destiny was terrible. <laughs> anyway, uh, why do you and Clint think it's so hard for a series to recapture the magic of its earlier entries? Uh, that's a fantastic question because I it's it's way more. It's Star Wars. It's it's a lot of these things. Um, you know, if if I'm being a, an optimist, yeah, I would say it's because you know these creators genuinely want to give people those experiences. While I think the studios don't have the best of intentions, I really do think like Dave Filoni uh, in Star Wars and and uh, James Mangold with the Indiana Jones movie, I, I think they love these characters and I think they want to give some great stuff. Um, I, I just think it's interesting because when there's been such a long break in the last time a series entry came out, there has developed all sorts of fan pressure and studio pressure and commerce pressure. And these things pull at uh, creators' intent and their ability to go and invent and do something new. And then you're, if you do too much new, uh, it doesn't feel like the old thing. And if you do too much like the old, then it feels too much like the old thing. Yeah. Um, and that's, I, I would imagine that's got to be tough. I know Force Awakens, when it first came out, uh, you know, on the one hand, it was too unlike Star Wars for some people. And then for other people, it was too much like A New Hope. And so yeah. there was there was this tug of war that people couldn't even agree on why it didn't feel Star Warsy enough for mm-hmm. them. Um, and I, I, I don't know I know what the answer to that is. To me, it always comes down to, like tone mm-hmm. of the thing and there's you're you're very familiar with the tone of that thing you love mm-hmm. and that's the thing that won you over and also you're at a point in time where um it's there's certain technology being used to mm-hmm. make that thing that you maybe aren't totally aware of but it's um playing a big part of what you're viewing mm-hmm. and like how they made the thing and then later on, as you know, time goes on, technology changes mm-hmm. and people's sensibility changes, actors change. And then I think you get to make that new um, episode of the thing. Hmm. And by that point, technology has changed. So you, there's pressure to use that technology because it's probably going to cut costs. It's going to, you know, they think it's going to enhance the product or the art. Um, And then the actors have changed too. And like, and it's hard to nail, like, because you're in a very specific moment in time and the tone can be just a bit of magic that happens of people, that crew of people working together. And I think it's hard to get that to line up again. That's a really interesting point because I did notice uh, during Dial of Destiny, there are moments when the Indiana Jones theme kicks in. And if you go back even to Temple of Doom, which people consider a lesser entry of the first three, when that 
music kicks in, it kicks in at the right moment. Yeah. And you feel this surge of mm-hmm. excitement and and everything kind of comes together perfectly in what you're seeing on screen. But those moments always came when when literally Harrison Ford is getting drug under a truck or running from something uh, that looks very real or mm-hmm. fighting a guy in front of a, you know, a propeller. Yeah. When those moments happen and the music flourishes in Dial of Destiny, it was often, you know, when a CG vehicle kind of flies by the screen and and even if it's practical, it's been sped up. And, and it's these moments where it, the music is there it gives you that that feeling the visual is there but but there's there's that realism missing and that's where when you go to a mission impossible flick these are movies that were built on stunts and built on uh you know some very grounded action yeah and you go you fast forward all these entries later they're doing the same thing and uh, and and to that point also of you know John Williams score and indian stuff they're they're using it to heighten those moments of that feel very real, but it's mm-hmm. making it otherworldly and bigger than life. And in these new, like the new Indiana Jones, for example, the visuals are so heightened to an unbelievable level by being sped up, like you said, or just by CG enhancement of like, say that scene where it's the chase through the um, parade. Mm-hmm. And it's so visually complex and overwhelming that by the point you throw John Williams' score on top of that, you're not even paying attention to it. And and it's not heightening anything because there's nothing to heighten by that point. But like in the originals, like, yeah, he's under a truck, but also it feels like it's not – it's at a normal speed that like a truck would be going and it's dangerous. But his score coming in there – makes it feel more dangerous and more exciting. But at at some point you get to uh, diminishing returns where you're not getting anything from addition. Yeah. Well, and that's something I I think if you look at a series like Andor or I just watched the first two episodes of Ahsoka, and I'm not saying Ahsoka is as good as Andor, but Ahsoka is definitely better than The Mandalorian. Yeah. uh, Hands down for me. But they're both... Uh, recapturing a tone and and a sort of visual style mm-hmm. that brings back those nostalgic feelings and makes me excited about the characters, even though they're both doing something very different. Ahsoka is definitely taking more cues from old samurai flicks mm. than the original Star Wars movies did. But those original Star Wars movies, that was there. Yeah. And so when it does it, it doesn't feel out of place. It just feels like we are following this more wizened kind of former Jedi, Mm. you know, in, in her older years. And it just, it feels right. I I can't explain it beyond that. And I'm waiting to see how the other episodes kind of progress. There's still six more episodes, but it feels like Star Wars to me. Mm -hmm. And I saw people complaining online that it's, it's too slow paced and they would compare it to the Mandalorian. It's interesting that for a whole group of people, there are people who their Star Wars is the Mandalorian. Uh And so it changes what those demands are Hmm. because there's an entire crowd of people that want Star Wars to feel like Mandalorian. And then there's this entire group of people that want Star Wars to feel like the prequels. And Mm. then there's this entire group of people who want it to feel like the original trilogy. (laughs) Uh, My son and his teenage friends and I were just having this big argument. There's really, I mean, this culturally wide movement 
that have decided the prequels are are the superior Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing to me because those things were near reviled right. when they were first coming out by fans of the old trilogy. Fast forward 15, 20 years, they're now the things that the kids who grew up on them are pointing to and saying, no, these are our movies. Right. Your sequel trilogy and your original trilogy suck. That tells me that in another 15 years, there's going to be all these people that love Rise of Skywalker. Right. And it's just, yeah. how, how does a, a franchise and a series, you, like, you just you have to pick. Uh, you, you've got to pick who your fan base is and just go with it, I guess. Or, I mean, or there's, it's just kind of a losing battle because yeah. at some point you just can't, capture that anymore and maybe that's just okay or maybe like you should move on to something else (laughs) yep and i i think that's i think that's where especially your generation and my generation have have kind of gone wrong is we came about in the series in 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 the days of the old star wars trilogy yeah and we got very excited by the prequel trilogy announcement and then we were burned by it Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't what it was supposed to be. And it's like we all collectively decided that we were just going to be angry about this. Yeah. Instead of just moving on. Mm-hmm. Instead of just, you know what, I'm not going to go see episode two because episode one was trash and episode two looks like it too. Uh, and those movies aren't that bad. I don't mean that. It just, well, I was still at the point where know. I was young enough and not as into film to realize it was trash. Mm-hmm. And it was late years later, and probably by the point like all three of the um, second trilogy came out, mm-hmm. that I re- like had caught up in my yeah. taste to realize like, oh yeah, these aren't quite as good as yeah. the original. And then later, years later, you know, really seeing how they held up. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's like a way you can't make everyone happy with no. it. And I I kind of feel not that we're right, but we are a little justified in that we grew up with the original thing. Mm-hmm. So that was the starting point and you kind of feel in yourself like I feel a little bit that like that's how the thing's supposed to be. Yeah. But maybe there just is no right way for the thing to be. Yeah. Like if George Lucas had made that thing uh five years later, five years earlier, it would have been a total different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so much of it is what's happening at the time. What's the technology yeah. at the time? And, I mean, where yeah. are the creators at at the time? Right. You, it's just a moment in time captured yeah. really. Yeah. By the time George Lucas made the prequels, he had kids that would create a very different film Yeah, because I would imagine the first three movies he made for himself and the second three movies he made for his kids. Mm-hmm. That's a different audience and that's a different intent and, uh, you know, it just you're going to capture a different audience if you as the filmmaker or the creator are doing or are in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's why the Mission Impossible series is so interesting to me, because it has successfully gone through all these different directors and all these different. Uh, and it just it it understands at its core what what the tone is supposed to be. And it's it's refined it over the years. It's established its own tone, but it's just been interesting to watch. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Dial of Destiny. It's crap. I'm sorry, guys. Whatever. You know, I'm wrong. <laughs> I just I concede to uh, the force of the internet, uh, and I know when I watch it a second time when it comes out, I'm going to just sit there staring at this thing lifelessly on the screen, going, yeah. "Walty White from the Beyond was right." <laughs> wow, that was a good poem. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I was going for that. So. 
Uh, let's let's move away from mailbag. Uh, thank you to everybody who sent stuff in. Keep sending stuff in. I love answering questions. Yeah. Uh, those are fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have uh, a pile of things to talk about today. You're getting a super stuffed you're getting, episode today. You're getting today. a stuffed episode today. Today we are talking about Netflix's They Cloned Tyrone, uh, Paint, uh, confess Fletch and smoking causes coughing. That's right. It's a comedy episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, one we do not do very often, but man, we got a bunch to talk about. Let's start with They Clone Tyrone. Uh, this stars Jamie Foxx and John Boyega and Tiona Paris. Uh, this is on uh, Netflix. Like I said, this is from director Jewel Taylor. And it's a series of eerie events thrust an unlikely trio onto the trail of a nefarious government conspiracy, which is a very vague description. This is one that uh, after Clint watched, uh, he mm. shot me a message that uh, that I should watch it. I don't know if it was a recommendation per se. He just he thought it would be one we could talk about. So, Clint, what do you think of Jewel Taylor's They Clone Tyrone? Um. Well, we had had a discussion. Um, what was I can't remember the name of the film off the top of my head. With it was had John Boya again, where he was the holding up the bank. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really good. That was a really good movie, and mm-hmm. that kind of was the point where it turned me on to how great of an actor he is. Because yeah. you know, he, I've seen him in the Star Wars films and Attack, like, the, Attack Block. the Block, and maybe one or two other things, and always thought he was good, but like. You know, Star Wars has a lot going on, yep. and and he's good in it, but you can't really see. I mean, I couldn't really see, like, you know, the potential there. I think he stands out in the first movie, yeah, and then they just First, sort of didn't they, know what to do with a him. little bit sidelined, yeah. Um, but now, like as he's going on in his career, uh, he's becoming a really interesting actor. So this that was kind of what made me want to watch this, and I hadn't seen um, uh, Jamie Fox in anything in yeah. a little while. And so I was curious about it, and it seemed like a fun, you know, sci-fi kind of um, inspired film. That, and I'm always kind of looking for something on Netflix to be good because there's a lot of <laughs> it really. Seriously. There's a lot to dig through, yeah. and sometimes something looks like it has potential, yeah. and then you're just like 15 minutes into it, and you're yeah. like, oh, it's another one of these. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I honestly had a really great time with this movie. Um, it was really surprising in how, um, you know, poignant it was and what the points it was trying to make and almost to that level of like a Jordan Peele film. Yeah. Like this felt like it could have been a, you know, a, a straight to video T not straight to video, but like a, almost like a television project that he was like associated yeah. with, yeah. um, like a key key and peel production. Yeah, or or his production <laughs> yeah, company. Yeah. Um I can't remember the name of it. It's got the little ghost hand, yeah. ghost monkey hand. Um anyway, I had a really great time. I thought it, Jamie Foxx seemed like he was just chewing up the scenery oh in goodness, the best yeah. way. He, Every time uh Tyrone would come to the hotel door, I uh, Jamie but he Fox, wasn't Tyrone. No, I know, but <laughs> Jamie Foxx could have stood at that door yeah. and just paced for an hour. Yeah, and yeah. I would have laughed the whole time. Yeah. 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 He he nailed that character. Yeah. Um, like in a almost like cartoonish way, yeah. but it, it was really enjoyable to see him like in a role like that again. Um and then John, John Boyega was really great as Fontaine. Yeah. Um and it it had a lot of um, 
you know, subtlety to it. Also, like you believed the world that they were in and you could kind of picture it in some part of our country, mm-hmm. um, like or different parts, like just it felt very believable, but also like I loved how subtly they would heighten it into this sci-fi reality mm-hmm. um, that it, it, you almost kind of believe that maybe there's something like this going on in one of the towns, especially like what it's pulling from, like with like what was it the 70s with mm-hmm. like um cocaine c- crack cocaine yep. and like how that like is um yeah this is just a heightened version yeah, of what the government of, has done supposedly before. was you know yeah. put into these uh black communities to you know thwart any chances that they can have a, a living and a life of you know substance or whatever it's, it's sending it's, the blankets with smallpox yes, to the, exactly. the native americans yeah yeah and so i love that they were playing off that kind of stuff but in this kind of for comedic purposes yeah um yeah what did you think of this i i enjoyed it i i laughed a lot yeah i, I really enjoyed it as a social commentary mm-hmm. i thought it was surprisingly it got to places that were really pointed mm-hmm. uh without without seeming too vague or too specific. Yeah. Um, and so I I enjoyed kind of deciphering the movie's message as it went along. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had a blast with this thing. Honestly, it was only the last 15 minutes. I got very confused <laughs> as to what this movie was now trying to say. Because I was following it. I was getting the commentary. I was getting the satire. I understood what it was trying to say. But then it makes a a twist of sorts in the last 15 minutes that completely slammed on the brakes for me and made me think, wait, what? Um, because it, it, minor spoilers here, just from the themes, suddenly I'm like, are they saying that black society is its own worst enemy now? Because when it's Kiefer Sutherland mm-hmm. and it's it's you know the white government officials and all of this, uh, you know, I, I followed the satire. I followed the commentary. Uh, when it suddenly is, is revealed who's at the top of all this, I just, it, and, and I probably overthought it. I yeah, probably started yeah. to think like, are, what are they trying? I don't think they were trying to say anything other than, uh, you know, how easily it is for, for someone to, uh, go in the wrong direction when they've when they've had bad experiences but it didn't ruin the movie at all it just i was really with the movie and i was feeling like i am just understanding and following everything it's doing and i'm in on the joke and then suddenly it was just like wait i'm i wait what Mm -hmm. um but again didn't ruin the movie wouldn't ruin it a second time uh anything like that uh and it it you know it, it gave one of the actors even even more fun to have on screen so good for them I I kind of saw it as like I mean you're I'm sure that the 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 character he's playing at that point and that that you're talking about grew up in similar circumstances mm-hmm. as uh, Fontaine mm-hmm. and gradually was brought into this as you know as a way of you know self preservation and yeah. survival. And I and you kind of think about like to you know the Nazi regime and there's people who are turning on each other who are you know Jewish mm-hmm. um, descent too and like it's that's true like you just you kind that's of get true. wrapped up in a thing and 
it, that's I what I saw it as. I hadn't thought of the Nazi comparison with how much the Jews hated the Jewish people that would inform or do certain things in the the camps. Right. That's that's a really good point. I, I wish I would have. I saw that. it as like this self preservation kind yeah. of thing. I don't know. Yep. Um, nope. That that actually that answers my question. Works for me. But to your point, Jamie Fox steals the show. John Boyega is really good. Everybody in this is actually I, yeah, really I good. Even Tina the, uh, Paris was really good as Yo Yo. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, um, that character was really fun. There, there was just a lot of things where that this was a, a movie that was smarter than me. It was always like one scene smarter than me. And it, it's that element of surprise that just kept me laughing and kept me engaged. And I love when a movie isn't outpacing me and losing me. It's just just an inch ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's doing what I'm not expecting it to do. I honestly really like the pacing of it mm-hmm. too, because it would pick moments to slow down and yeah. pull back like like towards the end where um kind of Fontaine's character is kind of giving into the fact that this is just the way life is yeah. and this is the system that he's a part like forced into yeah. and um it really slows down in moments that I don't know give it a lot more depth than I was yeah. expecting um did you I didn't even realize it was David Allen Greer as the preacher no, I didn't until, catch that at all. Until I was looking at the the cast list, and I was like, "Whoa, really? that was him! That oh, was amazing!" Wow, no. I, I was like, "He just completely nope. is absorbed didn't into that notice. role, and like in in his look, it That's was amazing." Funny. Yeah, That's really funny. There's also uh, for those of you who switch things off as soon as credits pop up, there's actually an extended mid credits sequence that is the actual ending of this film. Mm, uh, yeah, and so definitely hang on through. You know, it's it's only like thirty seconds of credits. You'd really have to dive at the, the right. remote to yeah, miss that yeah. it's there. But um, the actual ending of the film comes after a few credits yeah. at the end uh, and is just a uh, little bit, little bit, just cherry on top of everything. Yeah. And it makes the, the title make sense yeah, a little yeah. bit more. But yeah. I love how that also kind of blows it open to yeah. this wider thing than you're expecting. Yeah. Um, but I, I was pleasantly surprised yeah. by this film and i it's one where i again wish it was possible to have seen it on a screen yeah like it would have been it would have been equally as fun as something yeah. like like a jordan peele film yeah. like and it, again, it deserved that it's inventive it's creative it's not based on some decades old ip it's yeah. just it's it's something new and it's it's filmmakers and actors and writers having fun uh, with a new idea, which, you know, to your point about Jordan Peele is exactly what he does with each movie. And and yeah. so I can see where that connection came. Um, no, it just, it was, it was a lot of fun. It really disarmed me and, and it was a pleasant surprise yeah. because it had been sitting in my queue for a while and I just skipped past it a couple of times, uh, because, uh, I just, I thought I knew what it was uh-huh. and it was much, much better than that. Uh, which brings us to uh, Britt McAdams' Paint. This is very clearly a parody of, of Bob Ross. Yeah. Uh, this stars Owen Wilson and uh, some other people that you will recognize. Here's the plot. Uh, Carl, a local treasure with a soothing whisper of a voice, hosts his own painting show on Vermont Public Television. His art has attracted the attention of many women over the years, especially those who work at the station. However, when a new painter gets hired to revitalize the channel, Carl's own fears regarding his talents as an artist are brought to the forefront. Uh, Clint, what'd you think of paint? 
Um, well, this has a whopping 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so um, we were between this and another film with, I think it's what it's called, The Corner Office uh, with, with John, John Hamm, Hamm. which yeah. also has a very, very low score on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And I had steered us away from that one just because I saw that, not realizing this one had a horrible score yeah, too. <laughs> I, I almost said that, but... Because uh, I had watched both trailers, and I was like, maybe Corner Office has a better shot from the trailer. But you were on paint, so all right. Well, I like Owen Wilson a lot. He yeah. always really amuses me. <laughs> and so he plays Carl Nargle <laughs> in this. I honestly had fun with this movie. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with this movie and was kind of surprised that it is kind of maligned as much as it is. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand because it's – kind of just a pleasant little character piece film. And if you're wanting a direct Bob Ross like biopic, then why did you even watch this film? Because it's clearly, it's, it's not, clearly not that. It's clearly not yeah. even trying to be. It's just like inspired yeah. by that time point in time and the care the character of him. It's, it's a little bit like a deadpan anchor man just kind of swirled into a Bob Ross story yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I I enjoyed his performance. Like I wrote down, it honestly has one of the funniest lines I've heard in a while. And I, I think I'm, I might be slightly misquoting mm -hmm. this, but it's hard to be the total package and have people see the gift that is inside. <laughs> And it's yeah. just, it says it's so deadpan yeah. and Owen he Wilson. He he's, he's and, emoting. And it, I caught it, the like perfect moment, like it just made me crack up for a good like 10 minutes. Like yeah. that's such a beautiful line. Yeah. And so there was like stuff like that throughout that would catch me and really amuse me. And I mean, I won't say it's the most amazing film ever put to uh celluloid or digital format, but it's. I think it was ple pleasant and I enjoyed it. What did you think? Um, I laughed. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, it, it was by no means a thirty two percent movie. No, um, it it just uh, it's it's a movie if you go into it wanting, uh, you know, the an anchor man or something like that. That's it's not this movie. And it's not even trying uh, to be that no. kind of movie. No, it's it's barely trying to be a comedy in the sense that it's not going for laughs. It's just funny. Mm -hmm. It's it's a naturally funny, uh, amusing sort of movie that just has characters who really believe in what they're saying, but what they're saying ends up being funny. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a very specific style of comedy. That's that's more like um, oh man, the one we always forget the title of with the the karate. The oh, karate, uh, yeah. art of self-defense. Art of self-defense. Uh, it's it's a very specific style of comedy that that doesn't work for a lot of people, and it's something uh, where you just have a lot of self-serious characters with actors who are in on the joke, yeah, delivering all of their lines as if it's the the most dramatic piece of filmmaking ever, but it's clearly not. And that's that's the joke. That's the joke for the whole movie. And if you enjoy that kind of humor. Uh, you know, this is going to give you laughs. Um, I think, it, it, and, and if it doesn't work for you as a straight comedy, I feel like even like stripping that away, yeah. it's just pleasant yeah. in this way. Like in this, in the world that's set up of like Vermont in like the fall time. Yeah. And like, it's it just, to me, visually, it was just very pleasant. And 
like all of the the performances that are coming across the screen are enjoyable. Like yeah. they're they're just they're subtle. They're not over the top. It, it kind of reminded me of maybe a slightly even lower key film, maybe by like Jared Hess, who did like Napoleon yeah. Dynamite. It's not yeah. not as cartoony as quite a hit as his films, but like there's a low keyness to his too yeah. that it reminded me of. Um, but I. I I don't know what you're expecting when you no like <laughs> yeah 30 32% just means critics really hated this movie and it just it's not that hateable. No, I didn't see it, what was so all, hateable it, about at it. At worst it's it's just average. Yeah. And it's it's something you just watch and shrug your shoulders at, but it's not like I think when something has that low of a rating it it must be an offense to the genre kind of thing and it just it's it's fine. It's and, good. It's it's fun. And you can tell it was kind of made on a shoestring. Oh, yeah. Like there's like two settings in it. Um, he's got his van. Yeah. Like you can just kind of tell that everyone's kind of having an enjoyable time making the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I don't see like something for thirty two percent. Like yeah. Like you said, it had to be a real offense to the genre, but. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, our next movie is the. Furthest extreme from paint that you can get in comedy. It's called Smoking Causes Coughing. And I would encourage you right now, uh, just so you have the appropriate visuals, if you haven't seen this while we're talking about it, pause this podcast and just go watch a trailer for Smoking Causes Coughing. <laughs> uh, this is from director Quentin DePew. Mm -hmm. And here is the plot. Uh, think Power Rangers. In, in all its heyday. Mm -hmm. Five vigilantes are sent on a week-long retreat after fighting a demon turtle as their commander senses that their team spirit is waning. <laughs> However, their sojourn is disrupted when the emperor of evil, Lizardine, plots to destroy the planet Earth and our fighters must come together to save the planet. Uh, Clint, um, we saw a trailer for Smoking Causes Coughing uh, when we went to uh, the Alamo to for watch Memoria. Memoria. Mm -hmm. uh, and we laughed at the trailer and we both pointed at the screen and said, watching that. <laughs> uh, what do you think of Smoking Causes Coughing? Well, I, I always try, like, I think I'm, there's maybe one other um, or two I have missed from um, from uh, Quentin Depew, because like, I always enjoy his films. Like mm -hmm. I enjoyed Rubber and I, I'm always a little perplexed by them, but like in the mm -hmm. kind of right way that I think he wants. Yeah. Um, but I always just find them kind of enjoyable. And they're always very short too. Like they're always just like kind of in and out. He gets his thesis statement across and he's <laughs> out. And And I kind of uh, admire him for that, that he's not overstaying his welcome. Yeah. With this one, I will say... I honestly love this one. <laughs> this is my favorite of his films so far. I was completely off guard by where it goes mm -hmm. and love that it's kind of this low-key um, anthology of sorts. That the, the whole setup that Ken read is really just the building yep. blocks for where this thing goes and... Even the trailer is just the oh, building blocks oh, for yeah. where and this I thing goes. I love that they didn't even hint at where this yep. goes at all. Yep. Um, but it had me every turn it took in new story that they go into mm -hmm. made me crack up even more and wanted more from it. So like by the time I got through this, I was like, I want a half hour more of this. Yeah. And I'm really praying that they do a second edition of this. Yeah. And where it's them, very easily could. Yeah, it's them continuing and they're like 
on the run or something, but continuing to just like, yeah. you know, kill time in the car, telling stories to each other. Cause that was so enjoyable. Yeah. And I love the commander of this little group, the rat, the rat. Who, who's oozing <laughs> green slime and all of the women, like a part of this team are in love with him secretly. Yeah. It was so ridiculous and enjoyable. Yeah. And they nailed that. Um, like, um, uh, power team. Uh, what were the power, power rangers? Power, power yeah. team. That's something completely different. Oh yeah. <laughs> power rangers feel. Um, yeah. and yeah. What'd you think? I, I had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> this thing. Oh my goodness. I laughed so oh, loud me too. and I'm just alone, you know, down yeah. in my home theater, just busting out laughing uh -huh. like an idiot. This thing would just catch me by surprise in all the right ways. <laughs> Uh, there were multiple times I laughed myself to tears and had to rewind because yeah. I had just, I, oh my goodness, this movie, <laughs> I don't even, you know, like you were saying, it goes in places you do not expect at all. And I love that the marketing doesn't hint at that. Yeah. And so I don't even want to be specific about it here because this is one of those movies that could so easily just fall into obscurity obscurity and probably will but uh oh my goodness this thing i think he has as a director has probably this cult following of yeah. sorts because i mean he keeps getting to make yeah. the films that he yeah. wants to make and yeah. he never is relenting in like his vision yeah like they're always just as weird and um this in his as, tone yeah but um so this is I, as weird as weird gets it, uh, yeah. Uh, not, not, so typically when you suggest something weird like this to me, I watch it and I just kind of stare at the screen and wonder <laughs> who you are as a person. <laughs> Whereas this one. A person I, with good taste. That's what it is. Sure. Yeah. I just, I got it. I got it from the beginning. I loved it from the beginning. Uh, I loved every time it would, it would take a sharp turn. Um, I respected it. By the end, that that was the thing that threw me off. Like I actually respected the craft of it, and and the the uh, the cleverness, uh, kind of inherent to what it was doing. Well, I mean, even though, like we're saying how it you can't expect what's going to happen. I mean, when you get to the end of it, it it, it actually is a very sure. simple yeah. setup. Like you just, I just didn't realize the setup that was the beginning yep. and what it was planning to do with the, yep. the time in between that. Like I, I, I was expecting this, this team yep. and that's all I was expecting. Yeah. Um, not that that wouldn't have been enough with how the um, Quentin operates and, and his aesthetic and everything, yeah. but where it, it ends up going in the avenues it takes is more interesting for yeah for that um i highly recommend it it's on hulu yeah. right now this was one that i've had in my um to watch list on apple and was waiting for i think it was for a long time it was like buy only yeah and i meant to i was gonna get it when it rented it but then it showed up on hulu so if you yeah. have hulu just give it a shot it's yeah. it's so enjoyably fun this is one where it it technically <laughs> came out in 2022 but I bet you anything you'll hear about it. My top ten list for twenty twenty three. Yeah, just because uh, it it this this is my comedy this year. This was <laughs> my favorite movie that I've watched. You know, in this block of comedies that we've been watching, and it was just it's it's one I am literally excited to watch again. Yeah, um, yeah. 
and just recommend to weird people. Uh, <laughs> you know, there instantly there were people popping up in my head like I've got to recommend this to so and so and this person, and um, not even I, necessarily everyone will like this film. It's just it's it's a it's a bit of an experience uh, seeing how something like this makes you react. If that makes sense. Yeah i i wish I wish there was a um, Black Mirror anthology series yep. that wanted to be a weird comedy, yep. dark, uh, gory comedy, like yeah. anthology like this. It would be so. It would be on the top of my list to watch every time it came out. There's in the um, the uh, del Tor- um, oh, what am cabinet I? of curiosities. cabinet of curiosities. There's a couple that get there. Yeah. That that I love, you don't love that much. No. Well, um, I just I didn't like the face cream one. I'm sorry. It's so it's one of the best ones. It wasn't. It was. Go on. Now I <laughs> let's have the letters come in and agree with me. They did not, by the way. <laughs> Nobody wrote anything on that one, but I'm priming them. Send to, them now. Yeah. Hurt but my I'm saying it that one is in at the level of weird yeah. and like um the right sensibility. This one, this, uh, you know, smoking causes coughing definitely does not skimp on the gore or the fluids. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a foul film at times. Uh, <laughs> but man, usually I hate uh, some of that stuff uh, because it just turns my stomach. But this just, but oh, it's, uh, it, cracking uh, up. it's a playful yeah. version of that yeah. though. It doesn't feel like gross for gross sake. It's, it's going for, it's, it's lowbrow comedy presented in a high concept way. And and uh, that apparently is my sweet spot because I really enjoyed that. I mean, it is lowbrow in I think it is lowbrow, but in the perfect way. Yeah, like it's it knows what it's doing and yeah. you, how to use it correctly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So no, I I 100% agree with you. Uh, watch smoking causes coughing. Uh, <laughs> it's it's something. Uh, our final film is our Cinetron pick. It is from 2022. It stars John Hamm and uh, Lorenza Izzo. And and once again, a whole bunch of people you'll you'll recognize, like John Slatterly and uh, Kyle McLaughlin. Uh, yep, and uh, Marsha Gay Harden. Uh, just having a blast on screen. This is from director Greg Matola. Mm-hmm. And uh, while investigating a case of valuable stolen paintings, the roguishly charming and endlessly troublesome flesh, played by John Hamm, uh, becomes the prime suspect in a murder. To prove his innocence, he must sift through a long list of suspects from an art dealer to a missing playboy to a crazy neighbor to his own girlfriend. Uh, This is John Hamm picking up the part that was famously played in two films by Chevy Chase. It's based on a series of uh, comedy novels uh, that came out, you know, in the day. Uh, Fletch is kind of a beloved character. Clint, what'd you think of uh, Confess Flesh? Flesh. Flesh. That's a different movie. Confess Flesh. You have to go to the (laughs) corners of the internet for that one. Um, Oh, man. So I have no love for this character of Fletch. Didn't watch Uh, the original I don't care for... Oh, you just said his name. Chevy Chase. Really? the only of a jerk. The only thing I've ever seen him in is... um, is uh, Community and The Christmas Vacation. Okay. He was never one of my comedy heroes in any sort. Um, so I don't have any baggage of this character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I that was my question. Was I supposed to have great love for this going into it? I felt like maybe I was missing something. Um, I thought this movie was fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> like it it felt like this is what I wrote. It felt like an episode of Monk. Yep. It yep. felt like this was the next TBS show, like um this is the, the pilot. The pilot the pilot episode for this new detective yeah. show starring John Hamm. And I think I would tune into that show. Yeah. But, but like it for me, it never got past that. I think everyone was perfectly fine in it, but like like John Hamm, I enjoy John Hamm, but it never got past like feeling like a pilot episode for something. Yeah. Um, I I was wondering if maybe I would have felt differently after realizing that uh, Greg Matolo directed it because he did Day Trippers and Adventureland and I, and Day Trippers was one of my favorites that I had rediscovered because I had never didn't see it back in the day and really enjoyed it when I found it on Criterion. So. I was wondering if maybe I could have seen some parallels between, you know, his, his directing style and it, if I had known that before. I don't know if that's true at all. Um, it was fine. It was a fine little, like, you know, detective story. It was amusing, um, but it never got past that for me. What? This was, for me, very underwhelming and anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love John Hamm. Yeah. I'll, I'll watch John Hamm in anything. He's delightful in this. Yeah. Uh, but if it were not for John Hamm, this would really, honestly, I think, just be a bad movie. Um, I I think I enjoyed it less than you. I I don't know if you did. I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, is, this is one where I just kept checking the time. Yeah. And I, it just didn't feel like it was ever going anywhere. And even after it starts twisting, turning and going somewhere, it wasn't interesting to me. It no. just, uh, you know, especially we, we live in the age of Knives Out now. Yeah. And, and these really fun murder mysteries with all of these actors just chewing scenery and having a blast. And, and this just felt very old fashioned. I went back and watched the original Fletch mm. with Chevy Chase. I can see why people have love for it. Yeah, um, he's a he's a sillier character uh-huh. uh, than John Hamm plays him. Uh, but you have to like Chevy Chase, I think, and I yeah. do not. And so uh, I didn't. The original Fletch was okay. I didn't watch the sequel. I just didn't enjoy it very much. Uh, I think John Hamm is is a more enjoyable presence, uh, but the the movie itself just lets down i think what he's trying to do is the original fletch you said he's a little sillier like was his delivery at like almost to like a smugness like yes John, okay yeah that's definitely there um it's just it's it's a little more like the disguises and things like that it's just it just feels more cartoonish it feels more um yeah i don't know john john ham feels like a cooler character yeah. than Chevy Chase's version. Chevy Chase's version feels like an annoying guy you wouldn't actually want to be friends with. Whereas yeah. John Hamm, uh, his Fletch, like, I'd go to dinner with that guy. I couldn't, he, he yeah. Fun. I had sometimes a hard time nailing down what they were trying to, what they were intending with the character. Yeah. Was he kind of schlubby or was he just really, was he really cool? Um, because it's, because John Hamm is naturally just one of the coolest mm-hmm. people. So I'm just like, and how they dress him in certain moments in the film, like I was trying, like, are they trying to tone down how cool John Hamm yeah. is? And so I couldn't gather what I was trying to, or what I was supposed to be getting from him. Um, well, and kind of famously, Kevin Smith had a version of Fletch. Oh, really? That they were going to relaunch and Jason Lee was going to be Fletch. Oh, okay. I can 100% yeah. see Kevin Smith writing yeah. an R-rated Fletch with Jason Lee at the helm. Yeah. 
that I think would be kind of that perfect crossroads of of what they're going for uh, or what what the original at least as far as I understand the original character is going for. I I would really like to have seen that. Yeah. Um, This just seems, you know, it's, it's nice. It just, it, it seems like one of those abandoned scripts that as the pandemic was opening back up, they're like, Oh, let's make this right. You know, people like Fletch. Yeah. It's just Uh, like, it was how he kind of bounced around from one scenario to the next. Like I just, I, didn't care very much about the each one that he got into and just was kind of watching a little bit apathetically. Yeah. I, <laughs> I I was just surprised at how love like uh, this has a really high Rotten Tomato score. Yeah, even though 80 something. I know it shouldn't yeah. be judging everything by that. And I don't, it's just kind of a metric, but it's yeah. just like I was surprised to see like how it lets you know just kind of group reaction. Are, yeah. are people positively receiving this? Because this has a good audience score, too. Yeah. Uh, it has good audience and critic score. And I just, I don't know. I, I did a lot of shoulder shrugging in my mind. I, I didn't. But I've also, again, you know, I love Knives Out. Uh, you've turned me on to Search Party. I've been watching the second season of that. Um, you know, so there there are these, I, I think, much more fun kind of whodunits out there. Uh, that really just enjoy that style. Right. That I I don't really get that this was, it it, it wasn't, I didn't feel like the murder mystery was that interesting. No, And no. if the murder mystery itself is not interesting, if you're not really invested in who's, then yeah, it's just, it's a... Did you mean after party? Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. After I, party. Yeah, we're watching that too. Yeah. And that I find yeah. really enjoyable. Yeah. And each new character and their perspective yeah. is uh, kind of... Just as good as the last. I yeah. love the Wes Anderson episode. Yep. That was so on the nose, but yep. also playing with it in different yep. ways. Um, but yeah, I that's if you're going to um, you know, do such a staple of the murder mystery, yeah. Um, I feel like you have to bring some new element to it. Like just yeah. staying within the guidelines, it's whatever was set up. I don't know how many years ago. <laughs> well, it's it's one of the first film genres. It's one of right. the first, uh, like even before film was film. Uh, it's you know and, old novels right. and old detective for novels, sure. and yeah. it's just been something that's fascinated people for years. So it's it's been around for a minute, and you really have to get in there and toy with it and have fun with it to do anything new or interesting. And yeah. I I don't feel like the but see I felt the same way about Adventureland. Did you enjoy Adventureland? I I enjoyed it. Okay. I I remember not enjoying it. I remember wanting to enjoy it more than I did. Um I enjoyed it probably like I enjoyed Paint. Where oh, okay. like I enjoyed Jesse Eisenberg and yeah. um the characters he was surrounded with and that was probably enough for me. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so, you know, it's it's not like, oh, avoid this movie. You'll no, hate no. it. I, I could, just I was could surprised. see some people really enjoying it. For sure. And it's not that I hated it, but I was just so surprised by how much love it's getting yeah. and how kind of vanilla it is. Yeah. Yeah. I agreed. Uh, so, uh, confess Fletch, you know, shoulder shrug, but you might enjoy it. Uh, smoking causes coughing. Wow. Uh, that's something and you should definitely check it out. <laughs> yeah. Love it or hate it. Watch this thing and have the experience, uh, paint, uh, you know, lazy Sunday, like nothing else on Friday yep, night, yep. throw it on. It's, it's good for perfectly a few chuckles enjoyable. and a smile. Uh, and then they clone Tyrone. Yeah. Uh, 
which is way funnier than I expected and, and was a nice pleasant and surprise. And, and yeah, I would even go poignant with you. Yeah. Uh, so let's give Sinatron a spin and see what we get assigned this week. Well, let me ask you this okay. question first. I'm ready. We have made our lists of comedies. Right. Oh, you're totally right. It's been <laughs> such a full episode. I totally forgot about our comedy lists. And we can just kind of, I, I, we can oh, just go goodness. through it. We don't have to really talk too much if you no, don't want no. to. No, no, I, you're good. Let me pull it back up. Uh, so we did, uh, now off my game, we did uh, kind of our top five comedy movies and our top five comedy series. Uh, and uh, we have very different tastes in comedies, but not always. So I'm, I'm curious what we came up with here. So let's start with movies. Clint, what did you, uh, what did you come up with for comedy movies? Well, uh, to be perfectly honest, I did top 10 because oh. I, I think I am a little bit more of a comedy like yes, enthusiast you than you. And I, so I had a really hard time, like just narrowing it to five, but okay. Um, if you want me to just do five and then no, no, blow no. through, you can, do you want you me to just do say 10. them or do you want to talk about them at all? Uh, I don't know. If you want to talk about them, we can talk about them. Uh, if people well, are listening at this point. They're, do they're you want in. to just go back and forth like one after another? And, no, I, oh, I don't want to do that. Okay. That, that I always get confused on my own <laughs> list. <laughs> no, I'd rather right. just hear your five. Okay. Uh, so my first, and these are in, in no particular order, just okay. what popped in first. So my first is Clifford, which we have talked about extensively, probably numerous times, because uh, it is one of the best comedies, and I will fight you in the street if you say otherwise. No, I also defended this movie and yeah. love it. So. Not you, the listener. Oh, okay. I was like, you don't have to fight me. We'll, we'll make a time and place. Okay. Um, the next one was... Well, can, can we just explain what Clifford is? Because most people don't even know. All right, it's Martin Short who is playing a what ten year old boy. Yep, and he is you know they use fun forced perspective stuff to make him look like it, and it's him telling the story from his youth, and he is so delightfully odd, and it is <laughs> one of the most absurd comedies. Yeah, um, people I feel like kind of malign this film and almost like use it as a backhanded like statement if you compare it to this but like honestly this is one of the best comedies and, i think it's hilarious and martin short is in like pure like at the top of his game when he's playing this character and it was like kind of meant for him yep. and it's so delightfully strange yep um i've I, it was one that my family bonded over when it came out and like surprisingly my family loves it a lot uh, and it has stuck with me all these years and is never dimmed in its in its uh, glory of how, um, you know, absurd and wonderful yeah, it is. Yeah. You do have to enjoy absurdist comedy. It, it has that feeling, and I don't say this in a negative way at all. It has that feeling of a Saturday Night Live sketch that's been turned into a movie, but in a really good way for sure uh, yeah. because it, it definitely fills out its runtime. It's not, it's not a one joke wonder. Oh no. Um, <laughs> but it, it feels like something that was based on a sketch. Yeah. But um, everyone else around him is so delightful yes. and play it straight. Yep. So it just makes it so much more absurd and wonderful. Yep. Um, the next one is uh, Anchorman, which I will say was a defining like scene in the theater that was like, a defining comedy moment for me mm -hmm. um and just it just enforced my love of will ferrell and i it's not one that i go back to a lot because almost like we had talked about with the ring i don't want to diminish 
like that moment of seeing it with like, cause I was like with my best friends, we were all dying like at, at him eating, drinking spoiled milk and yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next is how can you not make this list and have this movie, The Big Lebowski? Uh-huh. There's nothing else to really say about The Big Lebowski. It's just one of the perfect films, I'd say. I'd say it's one of the perfect films I've ever made. Um, this one, I'm cheating a little bit because I honestly, um, I would not be able to pick from this grouping and so my the one i picked was this is spinal tap but Ooh. i am going to say all of christopher guest movies <laughs> I, because I, it would be it would be five or six films on this list yeah they are my like golden like <laughs> um halo of uh Oh, that doesn't make sense of of comedy films like it's my perfect i we my friend um recent like saturday he um or you know josh yeah, he, yeah. he had a birthday and the movie he picked to watch was best in show and so um one of the best films best comedy films and if you haven't seen just go through and watch all of christopher guest films they're so good they are really they're funny yeah they're great um Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, oh. also cheating slash the jerk. Because oh, yeah. I couldn't pick. Man, when I was a little kid, that scene where the assassin is shooting the paint cans or the uh in the jerk. The, the gas, yeah, in yeah, the jerk. Yeah. That scene <laughs> he hates I, his cans. I remember as oh, a child yeah. thinking that was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> uh, and telling all my friends about it. And he's shooting the cans, and then the guy thinks it's these cans. It still holds oh, up. I love it. Um one that okay, I'm doing ten, like I said. Yep. Um, one that has grown on me and been become more relevant uh, over time is idioc- idiocracy. Mm-hmm. And it's I recently Jenny had never seen it, and we watched it, and um, she found it just as delightful as I did. Um, Fun fact about idiocracy: uh, that's where Crocs come from. They really yes, they needed a shoe. That they could put on as many people as they as they wanted uh-huh. uh, for as cheap a price as they could get, and they found this little manufacturer that was making what they thought was the stupidest, ugliest <laughs> shoe imaginable, and so they bought a huge amount of them for the entire uh-huh. production. That seed money is what allowed Crocs. Wow. To get advertising and all the things that made Crocs the crazy trend they are. So it's so funny knowing that Idiocracy used these shoes as what stupid shoes in the future would look like. Yeah. And they actually made people love stupid shoes from the future. It like planted oh. the seed for what our reality has become yep. and it yep. or, and it predicted the reality that oh, we are I, in. I love that little oh, anecdote that's so such much. A, Man, a snake eating in its own tail yep, kind of exactly, thing. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Mm. Not much more to say about that one. Um, this one I almost kept off, even though it is one of my top five films, because I, I it is a comedy, but sometimes I don't think of it as a comedy um, just because of how much it means to me. But Rushmore. Yeah. It's just one of the, like, it's the, one of the funniest movies, but also, like, I, it means a lot to me, and I have yeah. a hard time just putting it in that box. Um, this is my favorite. You were just talking about, um, like, SNL skits that become a, you know, yeah, a, a, a series a of films. And this one 
is the one that stands out to me. Okay. And I think it's still great. Um, and I actually came to it after the fact because at when I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch films like this. I missed out on it, but didn't watch SNL at the time. And so um, I caught it later and I thought it was just as funny as everyone kind of made it out to be. And this is Wayne's World. I I still think it's hilarious. And it's probably the um, shining star of that moment when they were making those skits into bigger films. Yeah. And I th I think they did a good job with that one. Yeah, yeah. And then um, What About Bob? Oh, yeah. I forgot about What About Bob. That was one I, another one kind of with, uh, Clifford, where my family and I bonded over this film and thought it was like, it was one of those where my dad's going around the house quoting it. And it's like the quotable movie in our house. Yep. Still is. My dad still does quote this one. <laughs> and we recently rewatched it and it's still just as funny. Okay. I have been sitting here typing away because I'm filling out and trying <laughs> to make a 10 out of my five. I only stole one from you. So That's fine. I'm feeling good about that. Are you done? Your I'm 10? done. Oh, yeah. man. Okay. Well, I only got eight, but peer pressure. That's all right. Uh, number one comedy, uh, always. I, it's not that this is the funniest movie I've ever seen. I just rewatch this movie more than anything I think I have, and it's Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, I watched Rushmore right in 99. I went to theater to see it. Mm -hmm. I love this movie from the beginning. I still love this movie. Uh, this This kid is just... Uh, the worst and best kid all at the same time. <laughs> I I adore Rushmore. Uh, second one is much newer. It's Parasite mm -hmm. uh, from, oh, I just lost his name. Bong Joon-ho? Yes. Is that right? Uh, one best picture, actually, uh, which never thought it would. But uh, it was it was quite a quite a fun little um, twisty murder comedy, mm -hmm. if there's such a thing. Uh, really enjoyed it. Galaxy Quest. Oh, right. Uh, That's, love yeah, that Galaxy would go Quest. on my list for sure. Uh, I was a big Star Trek kid, Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah. And so when Galaxy Quest came out, uh, it just hit every funny bone I've got. Yeah. And every time I watch it since, I just... I, it holds up so it well. It really does. I just, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, then I came to Edgar Wright and I'm like, man, which one... I couldn't choose, so I didn't even put him on the list. And, I chose. And I tried to keep it at straight comedies yep. because it made it easier for my brain. Yeah. And so that, that yeah. Yeah, I, I made the very difficult decision and chose, and I chose uh, two. <laughs> I chose okay. Hot Fuzz and I chose Scott Pilgrim. Uh, oh, I yeah. did a little slash uh, because Hot Fuzz is definitely the straighter comedy mm -hmm. and is definitely... Uh, I think one of his funniest films, whereas Scott Pilgrim just cracks me up every time I watch yeah. it. When he launches through the window while <laughs> his roommate is saying he's not there, it's a guaranteed laugh Yeah, every I, single time. If I hadn't made those parameters, Shaun of the Dead would yeah. have been mine. I do really love Shaun of the Dead. I, I went back and forth like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, yeah. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. I think and, Hot uh, Fuzz might be the more straight comedic yes. one, yeah. um, even though they're both hilarious, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead is is a little more specific. Yeah, in in what it's poking fun at, where Hot Fuzz just has more to play with. Yeah, uh, Big Lebowski I had on there just like you did, uh, along with Holy Grail, uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, which I love. I put the Life of Brian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Life of Brian is just 
oh man, if you haven't seen it, it's about the guy born in the stable next to Jesus, <laughs> getting mistaken for the Messiah his entire life. And uh, it got all kinds of protest and controversy and all that. It's it's actually just a, a great little satire about organized religion. and, and Like the best films do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then another Wes Anderson entry, Grand Budapest Hotel, mm, yeah. uh, which continually makes me laugh. And then the one I definitely just stole from you, forgot it existed. I was going to go with Groundhog Day, but then you uttered three magic words, what about Bob? <laughs> it and was between I those two. what about yeah. Bob. Um, yeah. Groundhog Day makes me laugh, but Groundhog Day is me... one. Go ahead. I'm it, sorry. It, were you going to say makes you sad? Yes. Yep. But like yeah. in a melancholy way yeah. where I want to kind of be there. Yeah. <laughs> there there are scenes that I love in that movie and yeah. that I can go and watch again and and just feel that surge of of uh just just comedy and laughs and things like that. But what about Bob is just Yeah, just pure oh comedy. My goodness. Yeah, it's genius. it's actually not on Blu-ray, uh, which oh. is such a disappointment. Mm -hmm. It is stuck on DVD it seems forever. Uh so yeah, that's that's my list. I there are comedies I do like, shocker. So, I know there is. I think you okay. were probably, uh, if you would really, you probably could add a top 20 if you were really going through. Oh, yeah, if I was going through. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel suggested I put Navy SEALs on there. I told her to shut her stupid <laughs> mouth. You're divorced now. Yeah. 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 Um, Anytime someone insults Navy SEALs, you're dead to me. Uh, <laughs> so... Comedy series. Did you also do a top 10? I did. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to race to fill that That's one out. That's okay. Um, I'll probably uh, just blow through this. Also. Right. Designing women, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Coach. Coach. Um, <laughs> I, oh, wow. <laughs> I, I tried to be not obvious okay. in that. There, I could have easily put The Office or, you know, your Seinfelds on there. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to pick things that maybe people haven't been as familiar with. Okay. And, or like uh, things I've seen more okay. recently. An educational list. Maybe slightly. Okay. I, I was trying to make parameters. It makes my my uh, head not hurt. It's so, so bad. Okay. Um, so this is one I have like been shouting through the, from the mountaintops. Every time I meet a person who has not seen this show, I try to force them to sit down and at least watch two episodes with me, which I recently did with my buddy Casey who came to town. And uh, this is Joe Parra Talks With You. This is one of my favorite- Still haven't watched it. I need to. <laughs> it is one of my favorite shows. It's the it's a happy place for me and Jenny. Um, it's, think of Parks and Rec, but like 10 times sweeter. And it's, it's silly, and but also it'll make you feel better about the small tasks of life and the small moments of life and like make you, I don't know, it puts me in a good place. Um, and it's hilarious. Okay. Um, the second one is a British show that I think Jenny have watched and I've watched through, probably we watched through it probably twice a year. And this is Peep Show. Um, one of my favorite series. It is genius it is pure comedy genius um another there's another i have probably a lot of british shows on here <laughs> um this is another one i have tried to make people watch some hit or miss some do not get this one as much as i uh as much enjoyment as i find in this and this one actually i think it's on well it was on hbo but who knows what they've done recently and they might have slashed it <laughs> and this is us uh, stathlet's flats mm. Um, oh man, that, that it's up there for me as far as British comedy, 
with like Peep Show or like I don't understand why it isn't as big as like the original Office series is because it's just as a ridiculous character that is kind of uh, hateable, but also you feel for this guy because he's so stupid that you just can't not love him. Um, this one, I think you have watched this show, uh, Party Down. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not seen the recent reboot uh, series, but um, man, I've watched through that first original run of this quite a few times. It's so good. Um, this one you have watched. We've talked about this on the show. Um and maybe people have watched this one a lot too, but this is, I think you should leave mm. on Netflix. One of the best. Thief. <laughs> I mean, you did recommend it earlier, but it's on my list. Oh, that's, I'm glad it's on your list. <laughs> one of the best sketch shows yep. in recent time. Sketch yep. comedy, I feel like is really hard to do and um, hasn't been given the attention like the, as a genre of comedy mm. shows as much as it should be like when they hit like man i feel like they're kind of a cultural moment you could put some of the sketches from the show on and i would watch it as many times as you put it in front of me yeah the the one where he does the the pay it forward yes. drive through <laughs> i could I, seriously i could watch that they all get day long funnier and funnier oh, every gosh. time because like the first time i'm just like like in baff, baffled by yeah. how he got to this point of writing this thing. Yeah. Then the second time the jokes start landing. Yeah. Then the third time I'm just in pure like joy mode where it's just like I l- love how this guy's brain works. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think you should leave. Uh series that just recently ended on HBO which I'm sure was kind of forced because it seemed like it was a rushed ending but I'm glad they got to end the show and it's a really enjoyable funny show and this is the other two um have you heard of this show Mm-mm. it's about this family um who it's three siblings and the younger brother kind of hits on um YouTube as like a Justin Bieber pop sensation yeah. and the other uh, brother and sister are, have been like for years and years trying to be um, actors and like just, you know, toiling away at their craft and then their brother makes it. So it's them kind of like coasting on his coattails to try to get to where they want to be. But also it's just like a really nice, like kind of family comedy where you actually love all this little group. Um, Molly Shannon plays the mom and she is so delightful in it. Um, And I love that she's kind of had this little moment in comedies again, Mm -hmm. where she's like, like hitting. And I, cause she's always one of my favorite, like, um, comedy actors and i'm loving that she's getting more work again um the detroiters have you watched the detroiters no. oh you gotta watch it because like you. it is um it is the guys from i think you should leave um yeah and it's their series that they did before this they it's more of a straight like comedy show it, it at moments just as ridiculous but within like kind of the sitcom format yeah um, but it's also another one where you love these characters and um, you love their friendship. It's it's surprisingly sweet at moments, but it only got two seasons, but it's it's all you need. It's great. Um, another show that I don't think lasted very long, but uh, if you can find it, I think it might be on um, 
oh um paramount Mm -hmm. because they have all of the comedy central stuff and this is corporate and it's kind of the dark version of like the office like Mm -hmm. these two buddies working in a corporate like mega like um mega corporation and uh it's them how they survive and from day to day and it's really funny and another british show friday night dinner Mm. have you watched this one i have Uh, it's so good um, the actor who plays the father, he recently passed away. He was in, um, the Chernobyl series. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the best, like father comedy characters, it's so good. Okay. All right. I lied. <laughs> you got 10? I totally got 10. Oh, I filled it out. Awesome. Not by stealing from you, uh, but I filled it out by doing a little bit of Googling. Oh, fine. Uh, looking at lists of great comedies and being like, nope, 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 nope. Yep, that's it. Sorry, I could, I'm glad I could buy you time you by did. my diatribe of comedy time. shows. <laughs> uh, here we go. Um, and one I only put back on the list because, man, I've gone back and forth. But we'll talk about that. Alrighty. That's down number 10. Uh, number one, uh, I could rewatch clips of uh, for all time. It, it does not ever get old to me. I love every character in it. It's Parks and Rec. Uh-huh. Uh, then I think you should leave. We've yeah. already talked about that, but seriously, do yourself a, a big favor and spend some time with, I think you should leave on Netflix. It is not for everybody, but if it's for you, man, what a ride you're about to have. <laughs> so much fun. Arrested Development, mm-hmm. uh, which Clint definitely turned me on to, and I loved so much. I didn't want to watch the season three finale yeah. uh, because it would mean, mean it was over. Uh, I am not including further seasons. I am just including seasons one through three of Arrested Development. Uh, Scrubs uh, has for a long time been one of my favorites. Community uh, is another network one that I really like. Uh, Veep, uh, uh, which I was surprised as I was going through, like Veep just stayed on my list and wouldn't wouldn't get knocked off. It was on my list for a long time yeah. until I realized, like, how can I narrow this down to nope. 10? I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm getting rid of popular, like yep. big shows yeah. just so this works. Yep. And that one was a hard one to get off of it. Veep just every season got funnier. Yep. It's, it's last season run, yeah. especially with Jonah and yeah. his rise to political sort of popularity. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This show, uh, a little one that you recommended to me, you have not known I've been watching, just finished, uh, or I'm caught up. I don't know if they're doing further seasons. Letter Kenny. Oh, uh, yeah. Which yeah. is so funny. <laughs> it has no business being as funny yeah. as it is. Yeah. But man. Such um, quick writing. It's oh, like yeah. so fast. Like you don't realize. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just thought of three different scenes all at once. <laughs> It just cracked me up. Uh, very, very memorable yeah. stuff. Uh, not in like a, a quotable quote kind of way yeah. for a comedy, but just scenes that kill me. Uh, <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a guilty pleasure. I know everybody doesn't like it, but I absolutely love Andy Samberg. Mm-hmm. And I love everybody in that show. And that show just has the best cold opens. Uh, a recent new uh, one that I avoided for its entire run because I thought I knew what it was, but I absolutely love it, is Modern Family. Oh, I heard um, that one is one worth going to. It gets really, really good. The first mm. season, it's kind of what you expect. Yeah. And I watched the first season when I came out, and it just, it sort of fell off. It's not that it was bad. Yeah. After that, they really start to get a hold of the characters. The kids are growing up. The kids get funnier. Mm. And, uh, man, that show, and it pulls with hard strings quite, quite, mm. uh, quite effectively every now and then. My final number 10 
is the one I had the most hard time with. It is the most defining comedy of of my parenting style, humor style, personality, all these things. But I don't know how to quite deal with that because it is the Cosby show. <laughs> and I can still go back and I, I work so hard to try to compartmentalize. I can watch an episode of the Cosby show and have a blast, but feel like I need a shower afterwards. You still watch the Cosby no. show? No, 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 no. <laughs> so when Bill Cosby was first arrested uh-huh. all those years ago, we were just in the process of introducing the Cosby show to oh, Levi. Okay. And we had gotten to season seven. I was buying them season by season on DVD. Yeah. And we were just watching them as a family. Then all of a sudden, Levi's begging for, like, the next episode of The Cosby Show. And I imagine in his world, his mother and I are just like, no, no, we're, <laughs> we're just – we're, we're, we're going to watch some other things right now. Uh-huh. But I had to put it on my list because it, it honestly has defined uh, so much of, of what I like on television comedy. And uh, honestly, Claire Huxtable is my uh, – is is the parent mm. uh, that I channel mm-hmm. from TV, uh, but again, uh, unfortunately, the stars uh, won Bill Cosby, and uh, he went on to do some. Uh, he was currently at the time doing <laughs> like some his whole life apparently. Yeah. yeah. So so this is the bittersweet uh, addition to my. Uh, because, man, when I think of comedies, it seriously is the first thing that pops into mind, and then I feel dirty for it, and I feel I was awful. Say, if you're still watching The Cosby, not, you need to watch some not, other comedy I'm shows, because something could easily knock that off. It just, when I was looking back at that 80s era of, of yeah. Bill Cosby and Cheers and and all these things that I used to watch when I was developing my sense of humor, it just, mm. like, oh, no, Cosby kind of stands out about, I, like, I even liked A Different World. Are you it's always in the kitchen making world. big sandwiches? <laughs> No, uh, but I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wish he was not trying to hide that you took a piece of cake, put napkins in it and then icing over it. Man, that's, that's classic comedy gold. <laughs> gold. Yeah. Before it was attached that to some heinous crimes. Where Rudy tries to make grape juice in the blender with her friend, Peter, who never talks. Oh, right. Yeah. See, you remember. I do. Everybody remembers. I watched the comedy, uh, the Cosby show. Yeah. What's his name from uh, Princess Bride that would play the the dentist next door or whatever? Oh, I don't remember Uh, that. Oh, the bald guy, the character actor that... uh, Oh, right. Inconceivable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He was on the Cosby show a lot and just some of the music and they... uh, Anyway, don't watch that. It's... It... Probably gives residuals (laughs) to a criminal. I don't like it. Uh, you probably can't even find it that easily. But I've got six seasons on DVD sitting in my back room that somebody can have if they want them. Uh, We're going to be like quoted on some kind of comedy, like Cosby. Apologist site. Yeah, like there's free Cosby. Sin the Babel says he's great. Yeah. (laughs) Top 10 comedies. Exactly. They're not woke. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's spin Sinatron uh, while I get a shower and see what we get next. Okay, we'll get the soap for you.
Okay, this one could be interesting. It could g- give us fuel for some kind of interesting other movies to go off of. I'm ready. Um, because this is a throwback one. Okay. Minority Report. Oh, oh. Minority Report is yeah. on there? I, I, I haven't seen Minority Report in a hot minute. I neither. I thought it'd be, I had thrown a bunch of kind of stuff like that. Re, um, okay. But I thought maybe we could interesting. do like some of things around that year or what something. What year did Minority Report come out uh, in? Two, I'd say it's 2000 something, like three or four. I bet we can do another one of our episodes where it's like, yeah, it's 2002. Uh, I'll check. But that might be a fun, even if 2002 is a terrible year, maybe we do like the early 2000s or 2000 to 2002 or I don't know. We'll figure yeah, it I out. Mean, I'm sure there's a, a handful of movies in yeah. that year or something. Yeah. Yeah, I that. really dig when we do the, because we like agree on three movies we're both going to watch that we haven't necessarily seen. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we do kind of our our tops from the year or whatever. Yeah. So, ooh, that sounds fun. We yeah. haven't done one of those since 1988, I believe it was. We yeah. did 85 and we did 88. This one will be newer. But do you know that – that? and I know this is just simple subtraction, Clint, but 2002 was 21 years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. I hear 2002 and I think, oh, those are recent movies. No. No, that's that's a year over two decades from us. Yeah, it, that's like when I rewatched AI oh, uh, recently and talked about it. Is that a 99 or is it later it, than that? It's like – it's around there. It's like okay. 2000 or something. Okay. 2001 um and it was just like it felt very recent to me yeah and especially with how like we saw it in the theater together and stuff and then yeah. it's just like watching it is like wow this really this is actually is an old yeah. film yeah yeah okay. so no i'm that'll be fun i'm i'm all about it all right. i'm ready i'm excited okay tom cruise in a steven spielberg production about murder all right so i didn't actually like record that so <laughs> We we were recording it, but it wasn't like like how I introduced the the film. You Wait, know, what? You know how I usually like Ken? I think I got one for you. Yeah. Do we have to do all that over again? <laughs> it wasn't. It worked really well. Did you not record that? It was recording, but it wasn't like how we usually we'll just do. Just edit out this stuff. It was great. <laughs> I was in on it. I thought you just forgot to discuss it before we but it just flowed so just yeah just leave that in there all right you're gonna leave this in there too aren't you i'm, I'm so gonna leave this oh, in there you jerk you can't <laughs> let people see behind the curtain it, it ruins the mystique well, don't that... don't let people know that we talk about it and google before we <laughs> imdb what is this movie and then i got a fake all like oh that's in, what's that one about <laughs> just there's got to be some magic on the show i am so confused now I just listened back to this whole thing. But I don't know where to go from this, the, then like where where that ended and where we're going to join it up you now. You know what? Here's the thing. <laughs> if people have listened to this for two hours, they deserve to hear all of this. They really do. I think we should leave this entire thing untouched, unedited. <laughs> Put in the Cinebattle spin or, or the uh, the Cinetron spin and then just, just let it play. This has been Cinebabble <laughs> episode 89. Thanks, as always, for listening, kids. You can find us at Cinebabble on Instagram. You can contact us at contact at Cinebabblecast.com. Send in some more feedback. Always a good time. And I guess uh, it's just become a thing that people insult me and love Clint. So, you know. Isn't that something you've realized a long time ago? I did. I did. Every time I do mailbag, I realize, like, man, people only write in when they want to disagree with me. Which means they either always agree with you or they're afraid of you. That's the kind of mystique I want. All right. Well, you got it. 
I don't think this little curtain pull will ruin that. So, I mean, I think in reality, real life, I would yeah. never get that kind of respect. Yeah. But I think if my voice is getting that, uh-huh. I'm I'm happy. I'm I, something right. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of Behind the Scenes with Cinnababble. Uh, we'll <laughs> see you next time for episode 90. Uh, which we're rolling right to a hundred. We're we're almost there. Yep, it's and then we're fun. we've met our our, our, our obligation. obligation. <laughs> and we get our steak knives and we get to yeah, go home. Our souls are set free yes, and yes. we can float to the we heavens. Can be released back into general population off of uh, parole. I yep. like it. All right, thanks as always for listening. Uh, you have yourself a good week. See you, Ken. All right, see you, Clint. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said Ken. <laughs> he should have. <laughs> See you again. <laughs>